Good morning, Parkview family. This is our seventh week to do a service online. And there's a few people here, and it's cool to see them. But we really do miss you uh, like crazy. And not sure exactly when we can regather. I'm thankful for this technology and the gifted people we have on our team that help us be able to do this. Uh, But we miss you, and it's uh, not at all the same. Uh, The other thing we're noticing is that there's more than normal people, more than the normal number of people checking in on what we're doing. And I realize, and we're seeing this nationally, it's never been easier to go to church so, and to check in on what Christians do. Uh, you can just roll over in bed, flip on a switch, and there you are. So if that's you this morning, we are really glad you're checking in uh, to see what, what Christians do. And um, I am especially glad that you get to hear this passage this morning, uh, Psalm 42. One of the most beautiful things about being a Christian is that you can talk to God anytime, anywhere, about anything. And especially when times get hard, God wants us to talk to him. This is a real gift that followers of God have. So if you're watching and looking, I'm glad you get to hear about this reality. I'm so thankful, as we saw in the video, that we have so many people around the world serving God. And so I know some of you watch what we do. We are so proud of you for what you're doing uh, for Jesus around the world. So keep it up. We're praying for you. Um, Very grateful. Uh, I also know it's just talking to friends and you guys in the church, like this whole pandemic thing, there's some blessings coming out of it. You're getting more time at home, more time with your kids. Uh, But sometimes that's not a blessing either. Like it's starting to get old and it's starting to get hard. I appreciated Christy's honesty earlier. Um, That's reality, you know. So, um, but I also know, man, I have a friend that was telling me, um, somebody that does some pretty intense counseling in our town uh, to the point of, you know, dealing with people with suicidal thoughts and depression. The guy's just working endless hours with people in our community. And that, that's a hard thing, too, is we can't, if that's you this morning, like we can't see you, we can't be with you, we can't listen to you. And so there's a wide spectrum of people we talk to when we do these services. And we, we, we love you, we would love to help you. And I encourage you, don't battle alone. Like if that's you and you're just checking out and you're thinking, well, why would a church want to hear from me or those guys got it all together, <laughs> that's not at all the case. We are struggling through this just like you are, and please don't battle alone. Uh, we would love to help you, so let us know uh, as you do that, please. So, um, but what's especially beautiful about Psalm 42, and if you have a Bible, turn there so you can follow along. Um, you're going to see how God teaches his people to talk to him when we're going through hard times. Okay, it's perfect setup for what we're going through now. And you might be sitting there going, well, I'm not going through a hard time right now, so I'm not sure I need this. Well, cheer up. Uh, there are hard times coming your way, I promise. So that's kind of the way this life rolls. So if you don't need Psalm 42 today, tuck it away because you will, or maybe share it with somebody that, that does. So let me pray for us. Then we're going to look at what God says to us about how to deal with our troubled souls. All right? So Father God, would you please... I speak clearly to your people today. We would much rather be together. I would much rather be looking at faces and reading reactions, but this is what we do now. So take your word in powerful ways and speak to hearts. And God, I do pray that if there is someone that doesn't know you, somebody that really is despairing today, God, give them the courage to reach out and not battle alone. You're a good God. You want to meet us where we are. So teach us today about how to cry out when our souls are crushed. In your great name we pray, amen. 
Psalm 42, we're going to see, just starts right away out with a thirsty soul. The guy that's writing this, and again, I think this is David's story being told through some gifted musicians that are writing a song about an experience of David, and we'll talk about this later, but this sounds so much like the heart of David anyway. I have to go with that interpretation, but Psalm 42 verse 1 says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So I've never been close enough to a deer to hear it pant. I mean, there's times where in the year where I can drive up to Buke Street, I feel like I can just stick my hand out the window and pet about 20 deer on the way to work, right? That's, they're around us a lot, but I've never been close enough to hear one pant. If you remember a few years ago on Good Friday, we had that deer that was trapped by the entrance of Parkview and was trying to ram through the glass window. We weren't sure what to do. And then Jeff Mayman, if you're watching, Jeff, you're a rock star. Like he's done some rodeo and calf roping and stuff like that. He went out to that deer and just kind of calmed it down and then grabbed it, picked it up, and took it around and just let it go. Like, so that's, those are my close deer experiences. But I don't remember that deer panting either. I've heard dogs pant. I know I've been really thirsty at times. But I love this description. Like the psalmist is saying, God, I crave you. Like, God, I have had times in my life where I have been in your presence, and it's been so powerful. Like, you are so real. You are so good. I think of some of my favorite, like, phrases that describe this in the Psalms, like where a psalmist will say, your love is better than life, or that in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy, or better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Like, you just see the heart of the psalmist just saying, God, I love you. God, I love being in your presence. God, you satisfy me and you fulfill me like nothing else. There's a parallel psalm, Psalm 63.1, where the psalmist cries out, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Like These psalmists have been so... Uh, in God's presence and so connected with God that they know compared to anything else on this planet, there is nothing like connecting with God. So this is a thirsty soul that's speaking to us in Psalm 32. And so when you go on, there's a sudden kind of jolt when you get to verse 3 that this soul is thirsty for God, but yet this soul is deeply troubled. All right, verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? So instead of drinking in the streams of being in the presence of God, instead the psalmist is in a very tough spot where their tears are what they're lapping up. They're just crying constantly day and night. There's such distress, there's such hardship, such a downcast soul that instead of drinking the pleasures of being in the presence of God, now they're drinking from their own tears. Psalm 42, that little, if you've read the Bible before and sometimes ahead of a psalm, there's that little small print at the top of the psalm, and we just usually fly through that. Psalm 42 at the top, it calls this a maskil. That's a song that teaches a lesson. Okay, these were songs sung by the worshipers. And so this means there's a particular lesson that's being taught in this psalm. And that psalm is, how do you pray when your soul is crushed? As Josh mentioned earlier, it's a lament psalm, a psalm of lament. And up to a third of the psalms are written as lament psalms. Like, God wants to teach his people, when your soul is crushed, how do you talk to me? 
Like, how do you handle that? How do you get to the other side of being in distress? I just love that God knows where we are and, and what we battle with and struggle with in this life. And he wants to help us that when your soul, when your soul is crushed, this is what you do, okay? This is how you walk through this. And one thing you see right away is uh, he's going to show us, well, the first thing you do is you just be real with God. Like, sometimes I think, well, does it really matter if I'm going through a hard time? Does God really care if I talk to him about it? Is he going to do anything about it? Is he too busy? Should I just keep quiet? Like, I don't want to complain in front of God. And so, no, the first thing I see here is, like, when your soul is crushed, be real before God. And that's what we see in Psalm 42. There's three things crushing the psalmist's soul. Number one, trials are present. Verse 7, where he said, deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls, all of your breakers and your waves have gone over me. There are so many, so many images here that you see in other parts of the Bible too, like the deep calling to the deep, the roar of waterfalls, breakers, waves. They're all images of hardship in life, and not just hardship, but kind of the nature of the hardship. Like it will be relentless. It will come. Like if you've ever been on the ocean, you just see the relentless crashing of the waves on the shore. Like it never stops. You can't just say, hey, wait a second. Give me about a minute of no wave crashing. Like there's no possibility of that. Or if you've been under a waterfall before, a big waterfall, nothing stops the torrents. That's the experience here that the psalmist is under such despair like it's bad news upon bad news upon bad news hardship grief grief and it's not going to stop so relentless danger powerful terrifying opposition against us bad news more bad news and I know, again, we're all over the spectrum on this pandemic, but it seems like the news just doesn't get better. Like the death count keeps going. New places of spread keep rising. The economy gets bleaker and bleaker. Even, I know this isn't maybe on the same level, but just having some good friends, um, seniors in high school uh, or seniors in college, that just kind of, things getting canceled. Uh, a season is canceled. A sport you've been training for, canceled. Uh, prom, canceled. Graduation, canceled. The last three months with your friends that you've been building relationships with, for some of you, for 12 years, now just canceled. Like just new, what's next is coming. And so, and so it can be so overwhelming. And so when is it going to return to normal? Pounding, pounding, pounding. So for the psalmist, the trials are present. But, and then you add on top of that, there's some taunting. In verse 10, he talks about some opposition and some enemies. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And so you're going to see later the psalmist is in a region away from where he usually worships, away from where people uh, worship God and have God in common. He's now in another area where his faith is being just ripped and ridiculed and and uh, so, so that's adding to it. There's trials, there's taunting. And maybe what's worst of all, that while the, tra- while the trials are present, the taunting is persistent, it seems like God is absent. Like, God, where are you? In verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. I really do believe this is uh, King David, and, and the scholars think this was a time in his life where he's a little older in age, 
and one of his sons has risen to power and popularity, his son Absalom. And so instead of causing a civil war, David has kind of slipped away. He's on the other side of the Jordan, east side of the Jordan River up to the north of Jerusalem where he would have normally worshipped with God's people. And so, and so God seems absent maybe for one reason is that he can't worship like he normally does. He can't gather with his community. He's not singing the songs and hearing the voices. And guys, doesn't that sound a little like what we're going through today? Like I'm sure you guys sound pretty good singing in your living rooms, you know, and all that. You'd sound way better here. And isn't it cool just when you're singing and you hear the people beside you? Like I think of second services when I'm sitting right here and 24-7 students usually right there just singing it out. Like that, that fires me up so much before I preach. And so I think this is David going through that. But in verse 9, he even says this. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Like he's being super real and super honest here. Like God, where are you? Like, I've been crying out to you. I've been asking for help. Why don't you answer me? Don't you care? I, I, I can't explain why we have seasons like that. I can't completely explain it. I know the truth is God is with us always. He's promised us that. But there are definitely seasons that he allows us to go through where it just seems like he's not there. He's not answering. Does he not care? And our psalmist here, Psalm 42, is showing us, what do you do when your soul is downcast? You just be honest with God, and you put it out there. And so this clearly, this clearly is a downcast soul. And I, I, gotta, I gotta let you know something. Uh, your soul can get downcast too, and that's okay. Like I, I think there's something like, um, if it's our pride or we'd be ashamed to admit it, but um, I think there's sometimes part of our Christian walk, if you're following God, where you just, you just try to pretend. Like even if this is what's going on in your heart, in your soul, you just put on a game face, and you just act like you're okay. But deep down, you're still wondering, like, God, where are you, and what are you doing, and when are the waves going to stop, and when are these trials going to stop? And so um, I, just, I just need you to know uh, this is a common battle in fact, one of the most surprising things, if you do some research into the biographies of famous Christian leaders over the years, Spurgeon and Edwards and Luther, if those names mean nothing, mean nothing to you, you're thinking, wait, were those guys drafted in the NFL draft yesterday? No, don't worry. No, they're Christian leaders, but don't worry about it if you don't know that. But like, uh, uh, even the greats in our faith, even in the Bible, look at 1 Kings 17 sometimes, this guy named Elijah saw one of the most amazing things God has ever done for a person answering a prayer. And then like the next chapter, he's ready to die. It's like, God, I'm done. I'm throwing it in. Like, so this is a common battle that hits every human soul. And you just gotta own up to that, okay? There's no shame. Can I, I'll just flat out, pastors go through this. I, I'd say it's, anyway, either, either a pastor has gone through this or he's lying to you, all right? So um, pastors especially are prone to this because I mean, this is our job, to study God, to know God, that God is good, and, and that we're supposed to meet with you and whatever you're going through, like, hey, you know, God can do this and all this, but we got our own, we got our own junk and our own battles too. And um, I've I got to say this to you. If, if, if you can relate to Psalm 42 so far, to a downcast soul, yeah, just welcome. <laughs> welcome to what it means to follow God 
in a broken world, okay? And, and some of this is our own fault. Like we sin, it's not like, well, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's our fault. We contribute to it. But we're in a broken world. And so that's why Psalm 42 is so awesome that God says, and a third of the Psalms talk about this. So what do you do when your soul is in that place and you're ready to give it up? We lament, we lament, okay? That's what we do. And so lament, I read this this week. It was a great thought. Lament is unique to Christianity, to lament. It's not just crying. It's not just complaining. It's not just whining. It's a conversation from our soul to the Almighty God about our condition and about our situation. And God invites us into this dialogue. And really what he intends to do through lament is to hear us, to come alongside us, and then teach us and remind us that he is in charge, that he is good, and there will be a day where we will praise him again. We don't know how long, there's no guarantee, there's no formula, but that is what a lament teaches us. That even in the darkest of times, you can hold fast to a God who is good and who is great, and he's gonna walk us through this, all right? So the world that doesn't know God despairs and cries, but God's people lament. And we know that God fulfills his promises to his people and that God does his greatest work in the darkest times. God, just, you can't read through the Bible and see there, I, I can't think of a character in the Bible where everything went perfect for them, right? And some of the most amazing stories in the Bible happen from the darkest places in people's lives. So we can't have it both ways. God, I want to follow you and everything's going to go awesome. He's like, well, that's not how it rolls with me. You're going to follow me. You're going to go through some valleys. You're going to go through some hard times, but you're going to see that I am amazing in those times, that I will sustain you. And then the story you have on the other end of that valley will be amazing. And you will have nothing to do but give me praise for what I do for you. There ought to be a sense in us it's like, God, is this all it is going to get? Is this the hardest it's going to get? Bring it on. Bring on some more because you're going to deliver me in the end and I'm going to trust you. So, so if you're not there right now, it's like, wait a minute. Okay, well, let God teach us how to lament. And the first thing we got to do is we got to talk to our soul, okay? We got to talk to our soul. And that sounds a little weird. Like, you mean one of those people that just goes around talking to themselves? Hang on, just go with me here for a second. But verse five, and then you see it in verse 11. And then if... I think 42, Psalms 42 and 43 are actually one psalm that got inadvertently chopped up, okay? Then you'll see it again in Psalm 43. Three times this phrase happens. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, and I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. I love that that had to be repeated three times because when you are in despair, when your soul is crushed, it's not usually just one time, okay, God, uh, help me. Okay, God, I will hope in you. Done. No, that's usually a repeated prayer. That's usually a repeated cry. So I love the honest realization there. But what I want you to see too is that we have got to learn to talk to ourselves, to talk to our soul. There's several places. I'll do uh, a debrief on this on my Facebook post on Tuesday, kind of do a sermon rehash. There's different authors you can look at, a guy named Paul Tripp, uh, John Piper refers to this, but Martin Lloyd-Jones, I'm going to read you a quote from a book he wrote called Spiritual Depression, and it's about how you talk to your soul. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening 
to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You haven't originated them, but there they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody's talking to you. Who's talking? Yourself is talking to you. And so what we see here in Psalm 42 is the psalmist is going, okay, wait a minute. Soul, I'm done listening to you. Now it's my turn. I'm going to talk to you. There's this concept you'll hear of people talking about preaching to your soul, like reminding yourself what is absolutely true and not going with the negative and the the downcast uh, narrative from your soul, but instead, hey, let's talk about what's true. Self, listen for a minute. I'm going to talk to you. Okay, Doug, stop those thoughts. I'm going to talk to you right now. So, so let's, let's do this. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. So, so even in despair, the psalmist knew God, okay? So even in the midst of despair, the psalmist knew God. If you take Psalm 42 and 43 together, there's 16 verses there. In fact, maybe this is something you can do in all your free time today, is if you look through those two psalms, you will find at least 17 truths about God like things that, that he's the living God, that he sends out light and truth in the darkness, that he is my salvation, he is my God. In the midst of intense sorrow, the psalmist still had a robust view of God. So there is nothing like pain and anguish to reveal the true depth of your faith. Like maybe you've heard the expression before, like if you have a cup and it's full and you get bumped, like whatever's in that cup is gonna spill out when we get bumped in our lives with hardship, with adversity, like really what spills out is how well do we know God, okay? And uh, not just like facts in our heads, but truths in our hearts that we cling to. Do we really know God? And so, and so if, there's a, if there's a call out to us this morning is that we need to talk to our souls and, and to be able to talk to our souls, we have to really know our God. I love Daniel, the end of Daniel eleven thirty two, where it says, those who know God will stand strong and will take action. So there's a couple of books that are gonna appear under um, my picture here. There's books I would recommend to you. Um, there's a real thin one written kind of um, quite a while ago, but a great book on the attributes of God called Knowledge of the Holy. There's a little thicker one, maybe takes a little longer to read, uh, called Knowing God by J.I. Packer is a good one. There's one more recent uh, by a guy named Chip Ingram, The God Who Is There. So just use this season to really like get deeper in who God is so that you can know who he is. If you don't know God, you won't trust God. And so, and so but what, what the psalmist is telling us to do here is hope in God. Hope in God. We've got to know who he is. Let me just tell you some practical ways uh, I try to do that. So th- another great place to learn who God is is to make sure you're reading the Bible uh, regularly. And so I use a book like this where I'll just uh, read from a couple places in the Bible and then I'll just make a list, like, God, what do I praise you for today? What do those passages teach me about you? So I'm, I'm daily trying to remind myself of who God is. Another thing I do in here is there's a rhythm where I just give God thanks. Like, that reminds me of what he has done for me in the past. So even in the middle of a hard time, you just keep looking back to what God has done for you. Let me show, every, every once in a while, I get a good dad idea. Here's one we did a couple Mother's Days ago, is that we went out to the res and walked along some of the, the beaches there in the shoreline, 
and just grabbed a few, like we didn't pick a ton of these. And some of these are awesome skipping rocks too, like that, that was fun. But, but our kids, as a family, we went out and just picked up some rocks. And when we got home, we just passed them out to the kids. I think everybody took like three or four of them. In that season, we just had them write down, like how has God been good to you? Like how has God been faithful to you or to us as a family? And it's really cool to rehearse these as, as a family. And so maybe this afternoon you all make a run out to the rocks at the res and, and do this. But it's such a practical way. And we try to do that with our kids regularly. Like, how has God been good to us? What do we thank God for? Short term, but then look back a long ways. How has God been good to our family? But, um, but we've got to remember uh, hope in God. We've got to remember who he is and what he has done for us, okay? So we've got to talk to our, talk to our souls and... Um, and then, and then what we see in the psalm here too is that we talk to God. Then we just talk to God. Especially when you jump into verse 43, there's some things that, that the psalmist says directly to God. God, you are my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? So that's not like, there's not fists up like saying, God, I'm gonna take you down. Like, why didn't you? I just think he's proclaiming a promise of God. God, you're my stronghold, but I don't see you. Like, there's still confidence in that. There's still the assurance of saying, God, I know it's, you've been absent and you're not answering my prayers, but God, you are my stronghold. Verse three, when he says, send me your light, send me your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place. Like, you're, you're humbly reminding God and powerfully reminding yourself of the promises of God. And so you're speaking these things to him. You know, some ways I try to practically do that is that I'll just, the way I'm showing confidence in God is that even in the hardest of times, I'll just ask him, God, would you do something today that just reminds me that you're still with me? Like, would you surprise me today? Like, it's, I'm pretty down today, but God, would you send me an encouragement from out of the blue? Would you, I mean, there's Sundays here, you guys, where I'm in my office and it's like, man, I don't feel like preaching or this message just isn't coming. I'll say, God, as I walk through the foyer, would you just bring a couple people to just fire me up today? And he just, you know, boom, it, it happens. So, so ask God specifically. Um, I love this quote, is that when you cannot see God's hand, you trust his heart, right? When you can't see his hand, you trust his heart. And so there's gonna be seasons where it seems God is distant, trials are present, taunting is present, um, but God is still with us, we trust his heart. So here's the deal, if we were Old Testament worshipers, and we just read Psalm 42 and 43, I think it would inspire us. I think it would fire us up. But, but we sit in a way more privileged position than, than those Old Testament worshipers singing this song together. Because a lot has happened since, I believe, David inspired this song. A lot has happened. Uh, most significantly, uh, Jesus Christ has come to this planet. And we have no greater picture of the reality of God's ability to provide for his people in the darkest of times than the life of Jesus Christ. So Jesus uh, came, Jesus can take our darkest times and, give, and he gave his life for us. I mean, Jesus walked through the darkest time that's ever happened on this planet where the sinless son of God was killed on a cross and then God rose him up from the dead. And so when we say things like, God, you are my hope, God, you are my salvation, you are my rock. We have a specific event that we can tie that to. And that is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ where all the promises of God to his people are ultimately fulfilled through what Christ has done for us. And so what's so cool too is that, is that Jesus gets what it's like to have a downcast soul. 
So he didn't just save us and then from a distance just kind of proclaim, trust me, I'll save you. Like he entered into downcast soul world. Like he knows what this is, is about. So Jesus' soul was thirsty. Like you, you look at how Jesus lived his life and he often spent time praying to his father. One time he prayed all night long. He often just went, he craved the presence of his, of his father. And so, so much to the point that he would obey him no matter what. And that obedience took him to the cross where Jesus gave his life for us. And as he was suffering, he cried out, I thirst. And so Jesus understands a thirsty soul, both in craving for God and, and being in that time of turmoil and pain apart from God. Jesus gets a thirsty soul. Jesus understands uh, trials, all right? Beaten, crucified, taunted. He cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus gets this. And on the night before he was crucified, he told his followers, my soul is troubled to the point of death. Watch and pray. Man, we did this a few weeks ago. Um, uh, that, was a, that was a powerful sermon for me to get to preach where we talked about Jesus in the garden. But he brought his followers and said, watch me. Watch what I do when my soul is troubled to the point of death. And he took us into a front row seat in his prayer life where he prayed with his troubled soul, Abba, Father, like celebrating intimacy with, his, with God. You can do all things like praising him. Uh, take this cup, like being honest. God, is there any other way besides the cross? And not my will, but yours. Jesus was forsaken so we could be forgiven. Uh, Jesus was rejected so we could be accepted. Jesus was crushed so we could find rest for our souls. You know, Paul um, put together that, that montage for us of what God is doing around the world. And I've been checking in with Paul the last couple weeks about Wuhan, China. Because some of you guys know Parkview has had a partnership with a university in Wuhan, China since 2004. And guys, I promise you, up until about five months ago, like, I try to explain that to somebody. Well, there's a city in China called Wuhan, and it's kind of this distance from Beijing. And, you know, everybody, Wuhan, never heard of Wuhan. Oh, my goodness. Like, the, the whole world knows Wuhan. And just since 2004, people from Parkview have gone and shared the gospel, the message of how God meets us in some of the darkest moments in our lives. And I was on a prayer walk with Paul on Friday, and just to think out of God's sovereignty— he gave us the privilege to go to Wuhan, China, 16 years before a pandemic, and begin planting seeds of hope and seeds of the gospel. And Paul shared with me like an excerpt of a conversation with somebody, the questions are coming from Wuhan. And there was a student who asked about John 4, when Jesus said, I am living water, what does that mean? And Paul was giving some really cool answers. And then that student said this, uh, uh, this is what it means that Jesus is living water. He refreshes us and he cleanses us from sin. That, that, that's powerful from the epicenter of this pandemic. God is providing hope uh, through Jesus. And so I, I gotta say this to you, please. Like if, if, if you are in a very dark place this morning, if you are alone, uh, if you are afraid, whatever it is, if you don't know Jesus, like I can't imagine you going through this without Jesus. You need Jesus, okay? 
Stop trying to pretend. Stop putting them off. Stop putting your questions off. Like, would you trust Jesus today? He just wants to make with you the greatest trade you've ever made. Like, you give him your sin. You admit you're a sinner. You've rebelled against God. You've offended God. You've hurt people in your life. That's a, that's a pretty easy admission. There's a lot of pride you have to let go of, but that, it's pretty, if you're honest, like, you've done that, right? And, and, and Jesus will take that, and instead of you suffering for that, he will forgive you of that, and then he will give you his life. He will give you hope give you power to walk through whatever you're walking through right now. So please stop putting off this, this Jesus stuff. Would you look into it? Would you call? Would you just call Parfew or if we could help you or talk to a friend that you know has this down or reach out to us? Like, like stop, stop putting it off, all right? So Jesus uh, was rejected so you could be accepted. Uh, he was forsaken so you could be forgiven. So uh, trust him, all right? And if you follow Jesus already, there's a beautiful invitation he has for us. Again, very much about our souls. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, who are heavy laden. I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, if you follow Jesus and you have to admit, yeah, I've just been living in despair. I didn't know this whole lament stuff, like it's okay that we struggle with downcast souls, but man, I got to start preaching to my soul. I got to start clinging to what I know is true about God. Like that's, that's the invitation from Jesus to you this morning. Stop living in despair. Don't miss what Jesus can do through this pandemic in your life and then through your life. Like don't five years from now say, no man, I just kept my head down the whole time in the pandemic. I was overwhelmed. I was distressed. I was like, no, no, no. Just go to God now. Let him remind you of what is true for you in the gospel. Let him lift your head and then let him start showing up in your life in powerful ways so he can use you to share that hope uh, with others. So let me ask you to do this. In your homes, when this service is over, uh, and somebody with a pen, write this down, right, for everybody in the room. Do a couple things here. Why don't you just talk with everybody in the room. Like, when's the time in your life you felt very close to God? Like you were very intimate. God, God seemed real to you. Talk, talk about that. But second, be honest about this. Like, what are the trials attacking your soul right now? Is your soul downcast? Stop pretending. If it is, just be honest. Like, what's causing your soul to be downcast? And then maybe as a group or if you're by yourself, I just start preaching to your soul. Like I do this sometimes, I'll just write down, here's what I'm struggling with, here's the negative thoughts, and on the opposite side of the page, I'll go, but this is what's true. This is what God says. This is who God is. So do that for each other. Let's get our, let's get our downcast souls out there, but let's start preaching to those souls with what's true. And then take Jesus up on his offer. If you don't know him yet, trust him to save you, all right? If you do know him, take up his offer uh, to provide peace for your soul. Let me pray. So God, would you take your words now and would you apply them to the variety, the spectrum of souls that are out there listening. Some are just overflowing right now and know you're with them and are praising you and some are in despair. God, would you take the truth that you're a God who loves us wherever we are in that spectrum and would you be the one that gives us peace and rest in our souls so that we can be a people that rise above this and then look out and help and serve and bless and share the hope that you've given us. We love you, we need you, in Jesus' name, amen.